1: Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer.
0: And I'm Dory Shafrir. And we are not
1: experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And because we talk a lot about serums, we link to everything we mention on this show on our website, forever 35 podcastorg You can also follow us on Twitter at Forever35Pod and on Instagram at Forever35Podcast. And you can join the Forever35 Facebook group where the password is Serums. And there is also a Forever35 subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash Forever35.
0: And you can call us or text us. At seven eight one five nine one zero three nine zero, you can email us at forever thirty-five podcast at gmail.com and we do always appreciate a rating, a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to mention us on social media, we appreciate that too. That's all the business, as my husband likes to say.
1: That's all the biz. Yeah, that's all the biz. Kate, no. yes. How's how's your biz going? Oh, my biz is a mess. Mm. (laughs) My biz is buzzing. I don't even know. I I, look. I am a ye old broken record on this podcast now, and I think I have been since March fourteenth, the day we went into quar. But wowie zowie, distance learning might it might break me, Dory. It Mm. might. Break me. Mm. I've been not nice to my kids today. And then I like catch myself and then I apologize and I feel like a monster. And then I do it again. It's just one like there's just something in the air today. I just we're all snapping at each other and Oh God. It's just it's just a lot. It's like that we live in a lot. It's like the big brother house, but not <laughs> but with children. <laughs> Uh, and school I mean, as I've, and work. As
0: I've said to you offline, you didn't sign up for this. You did not sign up for Zoom school.
1: I mean, it is very humiliating for a nine-year-old to ask me if their division problem is right. And for me to have to tell them, I don't know what you're doing because I didn't learn math this way. I mean, it's yes, you're right. I did not, I did not sign up for this and it's been, and I'm, Like, you know, again, I'm, again, I say this over and over again, like we're, we've got the lucky side of things in this situation, but it's, and it's still a fucking mess. Yeah. I woke up at three in the morning last night. Like I literally just like shot up. Have you ever, have you ever had that? Like normally if I wake up in the middle of the night, it's like a weird groggy, I've got to pee kind of thing. But have you ever had that just like shoot up? Sometimes I have. It's so weird. It was like an alarming way to wake up. And I was kind of like in the middle of an anxiety attack and just, you know, there's just kind of that everyone's on edge over here. Like I Mm -hmm. asked my daughter what she wanted asking like about a snack and she just goes, I want this to be all over. (laughs) She meant the whole pandemic. And I was like, girl, I know, I know we're all, we're all just struggling. So look, have been maintaining a gratitude practice and i do find that that does help me be like like when i'm in like the depths of my m- miserable grumpiness it really does help to be like oh okay even just for this minute i'm going to appreciate this stuff and also i do want to say dory that i ate a bunch of halloween candy and mm. if that isn't self-care
0: that is the best kind of self-care
1: what did you eat mm, well so, you know, where we live, there is no trick-or-treating this year. But I am doing some sort of like safe candy exchange with some friends. Oh, fun. You know, we're figuring it out. And I bought some chocolate candies. And I was like, I'm not going to open this to Halloween. You know, like we're going to get so much candy at Halloween. But then today I was like, oh, no, I need this. And I ate three Thin Mints and a Snickers. Mm. And it was wait thin mints. Well, not thin mints. I'm sorry. I ate three York peppermint patties. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And Snickers. Yum. Good. Good call. So good. I love a York peppermint patty. It's my favorite treat. Often I'll buy it in line at the grocery store and like nibble on it throughout the you know my drive home. It's just so Ooh. good. Oh, I love a York peppermint patty. Mm. And the minis just go down nice and easy. And that candy made me feel better. That sugar was like, it like got me. It was like, I'm here for you. I've got you. I'm going to make you feel better. And it did. Oh, good. Sometimes you just need those little, little pick me ups. Oh, just a tiny Snickers hits the spot. So that was a nice like, and you know what? I did it. My kids didn't know. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. yeah, there was something really? else that was like bad Good about that.
0: Where do you fall on Reese's peanut butter
1: cups? I don't like the crinkly outer edge of a Reese's peanut butter cup. I love, really. Ugh, I hate it. I love my favorite candy of all time is the Reese's peanut butter cup Easter egg. I like the so Christmas it has smooth tree. edges.
0: Yes, you need a smooth edge. That's so interesting. I like the wrinkled edge. No, you do. Yes. Like I you do. actively eat it? I I spit it oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Wow. This is really where we diverge. <laughs> we
1: can't do this podcast anymore.
0: I love when we find these points where we just like <laughs>
1: wildly differ. Cuz it's always
0: the most important things that we yeah. disagree
1: on. <laughs> the Reese's. I mean, Reese's are very controversial. Are they? I don't know. I'm, I'm- maybe I'm hyping them up a little too much but they're they're uh, they're all like I hate the tiny ones cuz there's so much wrinkly edge.
0: I love the tiny ones. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I also love a Justin's dark chocolate peanut butter cup.
1: Uh, no. No.
0: Oh, so good. Wow, Kate. This is this is really eye-opening, I have to yeah, say.
1: This is uh that you
0: know something about me that you might not. Okay, love. how about Peanut
1: M&M's. I like them.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Snickers. Yes, I approve. How about Almond Joy? Where
1: do you fall on oh, Almond Joy? No, I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to open that. I pass that really? up. Really? I have
0: to say, I like an Almond Joy. I'm not even sure I know what
1: it tastes like. It's
0: just it almond and chocolate. No, Ugh, no, 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 yeah. no. It has coconut in it. Ugh. How do you feel about Milky Way? Ugh. I hate them
1: too. Okay.
0: <laughs> How do you feel about Heath Bar?
1: I, I don't even know what that tastes like. I don't care for milk chocolate. It's toffee. It's yeah, toffee. Uh, uh, no, see, I, I don't, I'm not a milk chocolate person. Like the I love Heath Bars. Reach. Okay. Ugh.
0: You know what? Candy Bar was my favorite as a kid, which is kind of weird. But I used to buy them at the convenience store right by my
1: elementary school. A Score Bar... I don't even think I've ever eaten that. I'm not sure I know what it is.
0: Do it's toffee. Away. It's like Ugh. it's like toffee wrapped in milk chocolate, but it's thinner than a Heath bar. Oh, and it's spelled S-K-O-R. S-K-O-R. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so sexy. And at least, at least in the 80s, the packaging was very like faux elegant, sophisticated. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> so you felt very like grown I up. I felt
0: very grown up and sophisticated. Yes. Who knows how I, how did I even like, Try a score bar, like what a weird choice for like an eight-year-old.
1: <laughs> you were just trying to like break out of the mold of your parents, I guess. So you're like, look at me, I'm going to get the fan. It's like when someone gives you a Toblerone for the first time. You're oh like, my gosh! Oh, well, my dad traveled this?
0: a lot when I was little, and he would always bring back a Toblerone, which I now, of course, realize he just bought at the airport, like the second, like <laughs> right before he got on the plane. But it always felt extremely exotic to me. Yes. Majorly. White chocolate toberone, I thought was like the most amazing thing ever. Oh, I can't eat white chocolate. I used to really like white chocolate. As I believe I've discussed on the podcast before, I worked at a candy store <laughs> during high school. And we had these white chocolate dipped apricots, which I acknowledge sounds disgusting. It actually sounds kind of good. I can kind of get it. But I don't they know were why. Really good because the apricots are kind of tart. Like they're not. The apricots are not overly sweet, and white chocolate is overly sweet. And there's just something about like white chocolate dipped apricots that I thought was like the pinnacle. Of chocolate treat.
1: I mean, Trader Joe's has a variety of yogurt and chocolate covered pretzels that are all like the, even the yogurt. I love a chocolate covered pretzel. I love, I love a salty sweet. I like a salty sweet too, but then I will also confess to loving like really thick sugar candies. Like I love starbursts and I also love airheads. Oh, had see, any, I, don't, I don't like either of them. I don't like <sighs> non I don't really like non chocolate candies. They kind of make me feel sick. I can't do a Skittle, but I uh, can do like no. an entire thing of Starbursts. Mm. How about Swedish fish? I, I can eat like one. How about Sour Patch Kids? S- same. The roof of my mouth can't handle it. I like Sour, Sour Patch, Patch Kids. Kids. How about like gummy worms? Yes. Gummy Gummy bears? Yes, gummy peaches. How about
0: chocolate-covered gummy bears? Ah, that's a thing? Yeah. There's milk chocolate-covered gummy bears. There's white chocolate-covered gummy bears. Oh. My sister loves white chocolate-covered gummy bears. I,
1: this is your candy store expertise. I don't know anything about this. Jordan almonds. Oh, God. No, 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 no. no.
0: <sighs> How do you feel about cho- dark chocolate-covered espresso beans?
1: Um, I'm mean, that's a no for me, dog, but I will say I do like a dark chocolate covered almond.
0: Me too. Oh my god.
1: Specifically from Trader Joe's with yes, salt. Yes.
0: They're so good. Oh, I don't like them with salt. What? I like them unsalted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no salt. And I also don't like the like the cocoa powder covered ones. Same. Do you know Same. what I'm talking about? Yeah, those. I do. Those are not good. And I don't like chocolate covered cherries. And I ah! especially don't like chocolate covered raisins. Oh, but like you know The nuts. Raisins are no. disgusting.
1: My mom used to eat those. That reminds me. It's like mom candy. My mom. My mom can- like good in plenty. My mom did too. Have we <laughs> talked about this on the podcast? I think we have. I think we have.
0: But you know, if we're getting into movie candy, you know what I do really enjoy? Milk duds. No, gross. Only, only at the movies. Only at the movies. Remember movies? Barely. I know, I barely do too. <laughs> also, I like, I'm not a huge Twizzler or Redvine fan, but nope. I can get down with some Twizzlers at the movies. It's like it's like normal candy preferences go out the window when you go to the movies. All
1: bets are off at the movies. (laughs) Yeah, all bets are off. Shit gets crazy (laughs) at the movies because it's dark. It's dark in there. So you're just like I don't know what's happening. You're like,
0: okay, I guess I'll spend six dollars on a box of Sour Patch Kids. I mean, that seems normal.
1: (laughs) I also always eat junior mints at the movies.
0: Oh my god, Junior Mints! Those are such a movie candy. I, know, I don't even know if you can buy them anywhere else. Like, I know. I, I feel like who who goes into like a Walgreens and buys like a package of Junior Mints?
1: I will. If also, you, if any no. of our listeners does that, show yourselves. Please leave us a text or a voicemail about buying a Junior Mint <laughs> at a convenience store. <laughs> That's how oh, specific we've gotten on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, we've talked about candy for like fifteen minutes. Well, you know, I don't even funny, know how you're you, doing. I'm sorry.
0: When you when I was saying like it's hard sometimes to talk about what we've been up to because we're not up to much because we're in a pandemic, and you said jokingly, "Well, I ate three peppermint patties today," and I was like, "I think we can talk about candy for ten minutes."
1: I love candy. At- candy is so good. I don't even like, I can't eat a lot of sugar. I'm a salt person like through and through, but there is just something about candy.
0: I am a hundred percent with you on that, but like, it's so funny how we have such different candy preferences. I am actually kind of fascinated by this.
1: Do you also feel like, did you kind of ever have a toxic relationship with candy because of like diet culture? And do you feel like you've now made peace with candy? Does that ever enter into like your brain?
0: (sighs) Yeah, I think I was definitely like, if I did buy the jumbo peanut m ms at the movies, it was like I had to share them with someone. Of course, I wasn't going to eat that by myself. Whereas now I'm sort of like, if I want to eat it by myself, I will. I might Mm -hmm. not want
1: to, but if I do, then I will. Yeah,
0: you can kind of,
1: yeah, you kind of have a more, calm relationship.
0: Exactly. You know what else is really good? Speaking of the movies, when you put like peanut M&Ms
1: in with your popcorn. Unreal. Unreal. We haven't even gotten to how you are doing. What would you like to tell us about? I mean, honestly, who cares? (laughs) I got to talk about score bars.
0: (laughs) I asked you about literally every candy on
1: the planet. we haven't gotten to um, black jelly beans which are like my favorite candy. Oh my god. <laughs> you don't know that? I love. No. Black jelly. Well, beans. we
0: really are different. We are, but that's what's good. You don't it want your is. friends to
1: be exactly the same. It your is thing. what's good. Did you ever eat buttered popcorn jelly bellies? Blech. Yes, my kids still bring those home and we all I think
0: those I think those are really good actually.
1: <laughs> right. You're the literally the only person I think I've ever heard say that. No, there have to be a few other of us. (laughs) I mean, reveal yourselves, but I will shame you all. I also liked
0: the pear. The pear jelly bellies were very good. And marshmallow was also quite tasty. Oh, gross. No. (laughs) (laughs) Peanut butter. Oh, peanut butter is also good. We had a whole like wall of jelly bellies at the candy store. With like every flavor. So you could just like scoop some out, take what you wanted,
1: you know. You were exposed to candy in a way that I was not. I I, I truly was.
0: <laughs> I truly Sorry. was.
1: Speaking of a sweet treat. Nope, didn't work. But you're going to be in conversation. I can't wait to hear what this (laughs) segue is. (laughs) I was trying to figure out how to transition it with a great pun, but I can't think of it. But this is a a treat.
0: It is a treat.
1: You are going to be in conversation with the one and only Jacqueline Winspear, author of your beloved book series, Maisie Dobbs.
0: Yes, I'm so excited about this. So she is coming out with a memoir, which I'm really excited about. And it's called This Time Next Year We'll Be Laughing. Oh, I love that title. I know. It's such a good title. And the event is on November 10th. It's being hosted by the Murder Books Bookstore in Houston, which is obviously a mystery bookstore. And it's at 6.30 p.m. Central. It will be on YouTube. Mark your calendars. And also the owner of the bookstore set up a special discount code for Forever 35 listeners. If you enter F35 at checkout, you get 10% off your order, no matter what you buy. And she can get like any book. So if you were looking for an independent bookstore to support murder books in Houston, use the code F35. Also, I have to tell you, um, Jacqueline had emailed me about her book before this got set up. And she told me that when she, I mean, we're just besties now. Um, she told me that when her last Maisie Dawes book came out and she was on tour, at every single tour stop, people came up to her afterwards and said that they had heard
1: about her on February 35. That is crazy. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that is crazy. That's so cool. I was like, oh, our listeners, they're the best. They love a cozy mystery. They love supporting an author. Yes. They
0: love us. They, they love a spunky female detective. <laughs> love- and
1: what's the hat that she wears? A cloche? You know, a I shlosh. don't
2: know if
0: she actually wears a cloche, but a cloche. she probably wears... I bet she, she probably wears a cloche, or at least she has worn a cloche.
1: Oh, Maisie. Oh,
0: Maisie. Wow. This oh, is- and the owner... The owner of murder books has a dog named
1: Maisie dogs. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs>
0: this is really or full is it, circle. Is it amazing?
1: Oh my God. Dory. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we take a break? <sighs> yes, because we All have right. an amazing interview
0: coming up. We for do. You. We do. Um, with Ijen Poo, who is the head of the national domestic workers Alliance a much more serious person than we are, but also very fun. And we had such a great
1: conversation with her and I'm just really excited for you all to hear it. We talk about all sorts of things, including Kiehl's skincare. So stay Mm -hmm. tuned for that. Mm you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's
1: happening so fast.
0: It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's at vacations, I mean, it, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best selling superpower short. The super power short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology. That distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra which I'm wearing as we speak, I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why.
1: Yeah, get okay. into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just gonna say, like, I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives
0: all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back.
1: You see also, how it like, could
0: be. Yes. Also like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you the summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with honey love.
1: You know, the weather's getting warmer
0: Our guest today is iJen Poo, who is an award-winning organizer, social innovator, author, and a leading voice in the women's movement. She is the executive director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance, co-director of Caring Across Generations, co-founder of Supermajority, and trustee of the Ford Foundation. iJen is a nationally recognized expert on elder and family care, the future of work, gender equality, immigration, narrative change, and grassroots organizing. She is the author of the celebrated book, The Age of Dignity, Preparing for the Elder Boom in a Changing America, and co-host of the podcast Sunstorm with Alicia Garza and Ijen jen Poo. And we are so, so, so thrilled to have her on the show. Welcome to Forever 35, ai Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're so, so thrilled. So we do usually like to kick things off by asking... Our guests about a self care routine that 's just kind of bringing them peace and calm
2: these days mm, I love this question. I'm not great at self-care, admittedly, um, but I do have this one routine that I have been doing ever since the pandemic started, which is to um, there's a yoga class on Sunday morning um, at 9 a.m. that I haven't missed since the pandemic started. And it's vinyasa and meditation. And the teachers do a really good job of weaving in themes that we're all thinking about and relating it to our practice. And it's been so good good it's awesome the other thing i would say about self care is i'm an organizer and you know i really care about changing the world and i think that right now winning is the best self care
0: mm. <laughs>
1: love that yes for your yoga class is this was that a class you attended pre pandemic
2: yeah So I've been doing yoga for a long time. Yoga kind of saved my life, continues to save my life. Um, My husband always jokes about how I'd be in a group home if it weren't for yoga. Um, So yes, it's a big part of my life. And I kind of... I thought that I would be doing more of it in the pandemic. Um, I have been consistent on Sunday mornings and I thought I would get into a daily practice again, but I haven't been able to do that. It's kind of a mystery. Um, But yeah, it's really important to me. It's very, very grounding and um, it's like quieting my mind and my spirit for a set Mm. amount of time. That sounds so perfect.
1: Especially... As a person who is an organizer, who's you know you're devoting so much of your time and energy to such important work and to winning, which Dory and I both agree, is amazing self care for all of us, (laughs) right? Yeah, for humanity. But it but it also I imagine requires you to make sure that you take care of yourself so that you may then fight for others.
2: It's really, really important. It's like you spend, as an organizer, you spend most of your time thinking about how we win together. And like, what are the strategies that allow us to be powerful collectively Mm. more than the sum of our parts? But it's impossible to do that if people individually aren't also taking care of themselves and really proactive about that at the same time. So both are central to the project of winning. (laughs) Um, And uh, it's good that more people are talking about that these days.
0: So I'd love to talk about caregiving. Um, My favorite
2: topic. Yes.
0: (laughs) I figured you would be interested. Um, (laughs) So I'm particularly interested in the language around caregiving and domestic work, which it seems like has always been gendered. Can you explain why that is and how that affects the value that our society places on caregiving?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of it boils down to something kind of simple, which is that in our society, in our culture, in our economy, we still value the lives and contributions of men over women. And the work of caregiving is has always been associated with women Um, Whether we do it for our own families, or we do it as professionals, as care workers in different ways, it's always been associated with women and devalued and Mm. professional care work in particular has always been associated with women of color, black women, immigrant women of color, women of marginalized social status, and it's the way that we value it in our society is, is a direct reflection of the type of work it is and who it's been associated with and who's still doing it today. Um, and so, and, the, and I think what's interesting though is that we have an opportunity, I think, to really disrupt that because more men, boomer men, are taking care of their parents and a lot of millennial men are taking care of their kids now, or they have a different kind of expectation around their role in caregiving than previous generations of men, I think. So I think we're in a really interesting cultural moment around caregiving where we can kind of disrupt the ways that it's been gendered that have been, have really negative impacts. um, And and also reclaim the role of caregiving and the value of caregiving as women, as people who've done this incredible work and provided this incredible life force. Like, I also think that there's, we don't want to, we want to actually take hold of that and, and be proud of it and value it.
0: Right. Like as women, we don't want to necessarily give up caregiving. No. Yeah. We just want to be recognized and valued for what we do. Exactly and- that. Yeah. And so kind of along those lines, can you also talk about how we can kind of change the financial value of caregiving and domestic work?
2: Yeah. So one piece of this is I'm of the mind that, you know, when the market can solve a problem, it should. And caregiving is not a problem that the market can solve. Um, And And that's been proven time and time again. We have a situation in our country where more than 60% of the American workforce earns less than $50,000 per year. So these are people who are working super hard and they don't make more than 50K. But the average cost of childcare is about 9K a year. The average cost of long-term care is about 60K a year. The numbers actually wow. don't add up, <laughs> you know, yeah, it just right. doesn't actually work. I'm not great at math, but I know that that, that doesn't work. Um, and so I actually think that what we need is a collective solution to our caregiving needs and that what we should have in the future is universal access to child care, paid leave and long-term care um, and support for our loved ones with disabilities. And I think we can get there, you know, I think it seems so obvious that we should have it and yet we don't. (laughs) And so we're trying to figure out how to bridge that distance. And I wonder if the pandemic offers us an opportunity to do that when everyone's going crazy around their caregiving needs right now. Right. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I mean, yeah, my children are in the other room right now, you know, on having school. Um, I think for both Dory and I as parents, this is highlighted, how challenging it is, and also the inequity um, that comes along with child care, parenting, and, and the way in which that we don't care for caregivers and domestic workers. I mean, it feels it feels so highlighted and, and in front of our faces, and yet uh, also feels frustrating that culturally we've been so slow to move forward in this space.
2: Totally. Yeah, I think it's like, uh, it's almost kind of like infrastructure and we kind of take it for granted that we have these roads and bridges that get us where we need to go, transportation systems. And we don't think about how we need to invest in it um, and support it. And this is even different because the infrastructure is humans, right? The people who we rely on to take care of us, whether it's family caregivers or it's professional care workers, domestic workers, We've never invested in our caregiving infrastructure and our caregiving system and the people who take care of us and we've really taken it for granted. And I think that that's it's never been sustainable and the pandemic really highlighted that it's actually dangerous. And so I think we have an opportunity here to reset and to make it visible and value it in a totally different way now.
0: Really heartened by your use of the word reset, because I think for a lot of people right now, kind of in the thick of it, it can seem like there's nothing positive that could possibly come out of the situation that we're in currently. Um, but I, I love that you're kind of thinking of it as like, well, this
2: is the biggest possible wake-up call that we could have. It is. There could be no greater disruption than a pandemic. I mean, the pandemic has changed everything about how we live and how we work and how we care. And so, yeah, we needed a a big shakeup. It's here. Now the question is, what are we going to do with it?
0: Yeah. So what are we going to do with it? I mean... (laughs) You know, when we we talk about when we talk about, you know, we need we need this infrastructure. We need government to step in. What does that actually look like? And what can we as citizens do to try and help make that happen?
2: Mm, I love this question. This is actually my favorite question, because I actually (laughs) think that in the context of right now, Congress and also state and local governments are trying to figure out what does it look like to have economic recovery, right? We've had such a huge um, economic crisis on our hands catalyzed by the COVID crisis and the recovery from it. There's really no blueprint because we've never been through something like this before. And so it's, it creates the room for creativity. And in past economic recessions, we've had jobs programs where we invest in infrastructure jobs. We've had other programs that create stimulus. Mm -hmm. And now we have the opportunity to say, hey, investing in care jobs is also about stimulus and economic recovery. And in fact, you get double the bang for your buck because when you make care jobs, good jobs, it not only helps those workers and their families, But those are job enabling jobs. They make it possible for all of us to work and get back to work and to stimulate the economy in all the ways that we need to. And so I think we have a really strong argument right now that investing in the care economy and supporting caregivers is not only the right thing to do morally, but it is actually the practical thing to do to get us towards the kind of economic recovery and reset that we really, really need. And so voters can really make their voices heard on that. Um, We are just days away from the most consequential election in our lifetime. And voting has already begun. Election season is upon us. And really, I think we should all think of ourselves as care voters that we are going to vote because we care. And we know that voting has direct implications in terms of our ability to better care for our families. And then once we get through this election, it's really important that everyone we elected hears from us to say we want them to prioritize the care economy and caregivers in our economic recovery plans. And that'll help people like me who are on the inside, knocking on their doors every day, being like, here it is. Here's the plan. Yep. <laughs> if they hear from you and you're saying to them as constituents, you want this, then they'll be like, okay, let me see that plan. You know?
1: How can how can we, I, I love, first of all, you're making me feel so optimistic, which is the most amazing feeling. To and empowered. Right now. Yes. I'm like, I like feeling like so overjoyed when normally when I have this conversation internally with myself, I feel very down, but I'm, I'm, I would love to know your thoughts on what we can do in our immediate communities, like our, our families and then the people that we work with or, or who we work for us. How can we, um, be better and improve those relationships and those communities?
2: I'm so glad you asked this too, um, because this is really, really important. Um, What we have to catalyze in the world of caregiving is a major culture shift, right? And it begins with us, like each of us changing our mindsets and the way that we act and treat each other and value the relationships of care inside of our own homes. It starts right there. And Um, What we did in the COVID crisis was we worked with workers and employers, domestic workers and employers, to put together a checklist of best practices for how to navigate the COVID crisis together. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is how caregiving in this time is an all hands on deck situation situation. Like we need our nannies and house cleaners and home care workers. And we also need like our friends, our family, our neighbors, like everyone is a part of the care squad and we all assemble the care squads according to, you know, our creative family units, um, But it's really important to honor the squad and to bring some intention to how we structure those relationships and how we value them. And so the checklist is meant to be a tool to help people have really good communication about how they want to navigate this crisis together. And I think the most important thing is to really think about it from a standpoint of like empathy and compassion where we're all just kind of trying to make it work. You know, we're all just trying to survive. <laughs> and um, and the best thing to do is just kind of like be compassionate, be human, and to remember that everyone involved is that too. Um, but you can find our checklist at employers.domesticworkers.org.
0: Can you talk a little bit about your own care squad? I've seen you mention
2: it before. Yeah. Sure. Well, I feel like I have so many concentric circles of care squads, like I'm sure you guys do too. Um, my grandmother actually passed away in May on Mother's Day. I'm sorry. and She kind of, thank you, she raised me. Um, and I spent every summer of my childhood with her. Um, and, you know, losing her was a very, very kind of difficult and transformative process. But we had my mom my sister, my mom was her primary family caregiver, and my sister and her husband and my niece, who's five, um, they were part of the care squad too. And then we had two home care workers who were there with her at the end, and the two home care workers, one of them in particular, Georgia. She was so key in like she had so many tools and tricks of the trade that you only know when you are in the constant practice of care. Mm. And she helped us so much with everything from the very practical things of how you dress somebody who's bedridden to the like, moment when you have to say goodbye, like how to prepare, you know, it was incredible. And so that, that's, that was my care squad around my grandma. Um, and that care squad is also like a lot of the squad around my niece who's five. Um, they're out in California. And then in my own house, I have a care squad that includes four parents. So I have a a nine-year-old stepdaughter and she has four parents, which is a really good adult to child ratio, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah. And so we're her blended family parental unit. Um, And then we have um, a pod family. So we have, she's podding with two other friends, and the parents in that pod are also part of our care squad, especially the couple who are really kind of overseeing the online learning process for the girls, and um, and that's kind of our pandemic neighborhood pod, um, squad pod squad, <laughs> <laughs> and it's been um, really amazing how um, these times really bring out um, a sense of like how creative and innovative people can be um, and the ways in which people show up for each other. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, yeah, but it it all requires intentional conversation and relationships and, you know, just like really thinking about how to set it up to succeed. I also really
1: appreciate that you included like in talking about your grandmother 's care squad, you included your five year old niece as a member that children aren 't children are a part of this as well, and not just from the perspective of people we care for but also people who can participate in caring for others i, I, I oh, really...
2: agnes 's role in caring for my grandmother mm. was central yeah. she was the essential worker in that in that in that scenario because really for the last uh, nine or so months of her life, Agnes was the only one who brought her joy—at least that we could see visibly. I mean, what could be more essential than that when it comes to care?
1: Oh, I might start crying. <laughs> That's really beautiful. But I mean that—that that really, you know, just thinking about end-of-life care, or senior care, however you want to put it—that—that that is so so important to include every everyone in that way. I mean, in all, in all forms of care, I think that's really, it sounds like that is the intention to make it equitable for everyone in all sorts of ways.
2: Yeah. I think our, in the fact that we have the potential to have intergenerational relationships and connections is such a gift that we also undervalue in our country. You know, um, when I see what is possible, Um, The fact that Agnes had five years with her great grandmother, what a gift, you know, both for her and for my grandmother. And we should really invest in that. I think the future is like multi-generational and figuring out these bridges between our generations in a whole new way.
1: Well, and certainly I I know for myself, and I think Dory, you might feel this way also, is that the pandemic has also highlighted the absences of those people. You know, we're separated from our families by coasts. Many people are separated by countries, continents, you know, it's, and, and not being able to physically be in their presence is just, has really highlighted how, if it's accessible, how necessary it is.
2: It's so that's one of the most painful things I think about the pandemic is how we've been separated from people we love. No. Yes. It's awful.
0: Yeah. It's really hard. I have an 18 month old who hasn't seen his grandparents in. Seven and a half months, mm. and when you're 18 months old, <laughs> a lot changes between yeah. Yeah. you know being 10 and a half months old versus being 18 months old. So you know we FaceTime, but it just it's not it's the not same. the same. Yeah,
2: they should be able to to hold each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's been that's been really challenging for me personally.
2: Yeah.
0: Um I'd love to shift gears a little bit to talk about supermajority. Could mm-hmm. you tell us, tell our listeners what it is, what it's about, what you're trying to achieve with it, and also what the pink pantsuit initiative is? Oh,
2: yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I was wearing it yesterday. I should have worn it for this. Oh. Um, <laughs> So Supermajority is a women's equality organization that brings together people of all different experiences, ages, races, uh, geography, experience, to fight for true equality in our country. And it was founded by a whole group of organizers, um, including myself, who just saw the incredible momentum and energy that women had. Like, there was this whole, I don't know if you remember in 2017 and the Women's March, there was this whole line of media storytelling about how, is it going to fizzle? The momentum's going to fizzle. Where's it going to go? And then you just saw women, like, continuing to protest, to march, to sign up to volunteer, to sign up to run for office, to vote in unprecedented numbers, and then like wanting more and more and more to do. Yeah, <laughs> And I think we just saw this incredible energy among women and the way that women were really actively and proactively lifting each other up, right? That it was just like, Un- unbelievably inspiring. And we mm-hmm. thought as organizers, like, how do we really channel this, you know? And so it's really meant to support women to participate in this election and every election in the future and in between to really fight for and win on the issues that we care about as women, which is a whole bunch of different things. Like, obviously, yeah. we're not a monolith at all. Um, and we share values and we deserve to have. a a real say in this country. You know, I think we are the majority, we're the majority of voters, and we power so much in our society and our economy, but we're still treated as like a special interest group, Mm -hmm. you know, and our priorities are still sidelined, and it's kind of bananas. And so supermajority is meant to flip that. Very cool. And the pink pantsuit, yeah, so the pink pantsuit is a, is a collaboration between Argent, uh, which is a clothing company, um, and Supermajority. And we've created a new line of bright pink suits um, as part of a campaign called Ambition Suits You. And it's the celebration of women's ambition and our incredible power and potential collectively and the bright pink is kind of like this bold demonstration or expression of our power and um and and a celebration of of women's ambition and And it is also meant to drive action. So you should wear your suit when you're going to vote, when you're volunteering, when you're organizing, and um, when you're spreading the good word about all the change that we can make together. And I do think that women collectively can determine the outcome of this election and so much more um, when we show up. Yeah, for
0: sure. If someone wants to buy a suit, where can they do that? Ooh, someone like uh, me i want to buy a suit
2: <laughs> they're great they're this beautiful bright pink color and um they show up really nicely on zoom <laughs> yeah,
1: they're, they're all over my instagram feed right now yeah. and I'm, I'm itching for one of these pink
2: suits. that's great i think you can buy them on the argent site um and there's like links on the supermajority site as well supermajority.com awesome
1: um okay oh, were you gonna say something Oh, I feel like uh, this has been such an illuminating conversation and it's uh, it's leaving me feeling really re-energized.
2: Oh, good. I'm so glad. It's, it's we need energy. These days. We definitely um, need to energize each other.
0: Yes. And as I was saying I think I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but I am feeling much more empowered than I was before we started talking to you. Um, before we go, we have one other question that we do always like to ask our guests, which is what is your skincare routine?
2: Oh, this is great. Um, I love talking about things that are not politics once in a while. So thank great. you for asking that. Take all so, the
1: time you need, every
2: little thing. <laughs> so I. Wash my face uh, twice a day, mm-hmm. and um, at night I use this um, Kiehl's stuff that's in a purple jar. I forget what it's called, but it's like some multivitamin cream or magical
1: serum-y thing.
2: Yeah, the I think midnight, it's midnight, the recovery. midnight thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, I use the Kiehl's BB cream
1: because oh. it has SPF. 50 in it. is so your it's your face wash, wash like,
2: oh i'm sorry dory
0: no i was just gonna say it sounds like one of those like magical all-purpose creams that just like does a million things
2: it is it's it is magical it's like a light foundation because it's tinted it's got spf in it and it's moisturizing too
1: what a no-nonsense choice too i love it it's like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it gets it done is your face wash also by keels
2: Um, I, when I used to travel a lot, I used to use the, um, the, the face wash from Kiehl's that is like non-drying and moisturizing, but right now I'm using the Cetaphil moisturizing face wash. Classic. I also love like, I love a Kiehl's loyalist. I know. I don't know how you know why it's because I used to, well, before the pandemic, I traveled half the month. And they have these keels pop-ups inside of airports. So, oh, oh.
1: <laughs> yeah! Oh, look at that smart marketing. And they have yes. also make perfect travel size. Like keels, I feel like really has travel size down.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it exactly just makes it easier. Yeah. Well, Ai-jen, it has been.
0: Such a pleasure to talk yeah, to you. It really has. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, where can our listeners find you and all the wonderful work that you're doing?
2: Um, uh, on Twitter at IgenPoo, on Instagram at IgenP, um, domesticworkers.org is the website, and you can find lots of great resources if you're interested in more about domestic work. Um, and Sunstorm Pod. My son, my podcast with Alicia Garza. Your wonderful podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Tune in, subscribe. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thank you.
1: You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning... In my mid forties, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad; they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay, which is okay. I know. bull on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, Oneskin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. And please support our show and tell them we sent you.
0: So Kate, I have to tell you, and I said this while we were interviewing her, but I did really come out of that interview feeling so inspired and empowered.
1: Yes, that was that was a big takeaway for me, was just also how optimistic I yeah. was. Whereas I yeah. I am not an organizer and I'm like constantly so pessimistic and negative. And she is is doing this life work and it just I just left feeling so excited after talking to her.
0: Me too. She's like truly, truly an amazing person. And she, I mean, talk about doing the work. She is
1: doing the work. She's doing it. Yeah. She's doing it well. Yeah. Well, Dory. Yes, Kate. As we transition into the intention area of this podcast,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need
1: to know, did you go outside as per your intent last week? You know what? I
0: did. And it helped that after like Saturday, Friday or Saturday last week, it really cooled down. And it's just been much more pleasant to go outside. And so while I haven't had time necessarily to go on a walk every day, I've gone on a few walks, but not every day. Like today, I didn't have a chance to take Henry for a walk, but I was like outside with him a bunch during the day, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I like made a conscious effort to do that because I wanted to spend time with him. But also I wanted to be outside. So. I feel like I did fulfill my intention. And as I think I predicted in terms of like how I felt like it does make me feel better to go outside. And I just need to, I just need to remember that and just like get off, get
1: up off my ass and just walk outside. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, you can, you can literally just walk and sit like outside your front door. Yes. Yes.
0: So I'm glad that I kind of like regrouped on that front. Um. What about you?
1: How was, how was writing? Oh, I failed. I failed, but, but I wrote, I just didn't, I didn't, wasn't able to come up with a routine. You know, this past week I've been answering a lot of questions about writing on my Instagram stories.
2: Cause I'm, mm, yeah, I'm, I know. Gearing it's great.
1: Up, I'm gearing up to do nano Rimo, which is national novel writing month, which is a fun um, kind of movement to try to write a novel in the month of November. Um. There is also apparently a Forever 35 NaNoWriMo Facebook group because of course there is because oh, our listeners are amazing. Cool. Yeah. So someone was like, do you want me to add you to the Forever 35 group? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I would definitely want to join you. So, oh, that's um, so cool. That will be a fun space for camaraderie. Anyway, so I'm going to try to do that um, as a way just to kind of get my butt in gear. So I have been doing a lot of writing, but I I wasn't able to kind of nail down a daily routine. And I think that's in part Mm. because every day is so different and chaotic here that nothing looks the same, you know, but I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Well, what Well, what do you have on the agenda this week?
0: Well, my intention is also writing related. I need to just remember to turn freedom on. When I sit down to write. Tell us what
1: freedom is, Story. Tell us about freedom.
0: Freedom is an app that you can get for iOS and for your phone. Wait, no, iOS is your phone that you can get for iOS and then also on your computer. Um, and it like blocks the internet. It blocks any, basically can block anything you want it to block. You can block everything it can totally shut down the internet or you can like i keep i keep my access to spotify so i can listen to music um but it'll do whatever you want and you can set the amount of time and it's just great for focus so i need to remember to do that and then i also need to put my phone in the other room when i'm trying to write that sounds
1: hard It is
0: hard, but like, it's, it's like truly the only
1: way. Okay. I support this. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Sounds terrible, (sighs) but I support it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like, I wish I could do NaNoWriMo, but I have to finish revising this book. So uh, I can't, but maybe next year, next year, next year, I'll invite you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Kate, what is your intention for this week?
1: Oh, it's a doozy, Dory. Uh, My intention this week is that I need to take a pause before I react to my children. I need Mm -hmm. to take some deep breaths. Dory, I don't think you've gotten into the Daniel Tiger stage of having a child yet. No, I have not. um, My guess is you will enter it at some point. And Daniel Tiger is a PBS program cartoon based on Mr. the character from Mr. Rogers. And one thing Daniel Tiger says is that when you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. And I don't do that. So mm. I'm going to Daniel Tiger it up this week. Because you just feel like you've been too quick to like react. I am an inherently impatient person. Mm-hmm. And I get flustered very easily. Like I, I, it's challenging for me to multitask. So, like, if I'm in the middle of a conference call, for example, today, you and I were, were on a call, while also my child couldn't get onto their Zoom assembly that they were trying to attend, and so I was trying to do both at the same time, and I was just like really grumpy and like not being nice to my kid about it, and like it, there was no need. Like, I, I just need to take a deep breath.
0: Mm. I
1: just feel very quick, like my fuse is very quick to, to go off right now. And so I'm trying to just, to just watch that.
0: That's a good thing to be mindful of. But also, I mean, I think you're, you know what I will say, which is be kind to yourself about this. <sighs> Thank you. I will.
1: I will be kind to myself. Okay, good. Good, good, good. And when in doubt, I will eat some candy. There you go. I'm
0: going to send like a jumbo box of York
1: peppermint patties to you. I, l- I mean, I have a bag of like 300 of them. So. Oh, okay. I will but go. I, won't, I, won't go to- I, I mean, I'll she- accept it. I'll accept okay. it. Freeze them. <laughs> well, Dory, listeners, yes. thank you all. Thank you all so much for being here. Yes, truly. And we've got to tell you that Forever 35 is hosted and produced... By Dory Shafrier and me, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. And Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is a cast. Bye, everyone. Bye.